This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hi, thanks for joining us. My name is Bruce Norris, and today we are joined once again by Amanda Hahn and Matt McFarland. So let's go over, I know there was some changes or at least some changes that were talked about. So you live in your residence for two years. If, if you're a married couple, you can sell and make $500,000. It's not taxable. Mm-hmm. How often can you do that? You can do that once every two years. That has not changed. That has not changed. Not, you know, not yet, at least obviously, but. There's there's some laws that actually surprised me ever got in, and that was one of them. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and, and back in the you know twenty years ago, when I remember people were absolutely utilizing this every two years, they were selling because you know the market just kept going up. Obviously, as we all know, in the early two thousands, and they, I mean, I remember clients moving every two years, probably had four different primary residences in six or eight years, right? Like it's just, yeah, line them up. Yeah, the heck of a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heck of a good job and very high net. Good job. All right. Um, So 1031 exchange, let's talk about that because that's something that we are involved with and our clients are involved with and I've been involved with. So the timeframes for 1031 exchange, if those remain the same, I got to find something inside of the first 45 days and say, that's it. Yeah. The the time, the timelines have not changed. They got the identification period of 45 days and then you also just have to close on the replacement property or properties within 180 days from the sale date of your current property. And, and, those 40, are, and that 45 days is inside that 180. Yeah, that's part of that 180. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to say, I think, you know, at least looking back at 2021 or even now, we have clients that are in the process of doing 1031 exchange. Um, there's definitely a lot of pressure in terms of finding the right deals. Um, and finding it in time for exchange. So we've seen a couple of clients had to make tough decisions on whether they wanted to go through a deal to save on taxes or, you know, just deal with the tax hit because they just really couldn't find a deal that made sense um, based on, you know, the performance of the property they're looking at. With, with everything going on with supply chain and all everything being delayed, has there been any, any talk of some relief in that 180 day or, you know, the talk of extending that at all? Uh, is, is that anything that's been on the table? Uh, I don't probably not. I haven't heard anything with respect to like regular exchanges. You know, there may be, you know, something out there that, you know, like construction exchanges that, you know, specific one-off situations. If you get into it, maybe there's a way you can do a private letter ruling or get some relief from the IRS we haven't had any clients per se come up against that or necessarily doing construction exchanges, but I, I think on a typical like kind of exchange, I think it's there. The argument would be is that, Hey, that house, <laughs> that house is there, you know, it's, it's been on the market for sale. You could have closed on it, you know, not, not nothing to do with, you know, lumber not being available or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, this, the transactions that we're involved in, that definitely is an issue. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's go through the math of, of that. Okay. So I buy, I sell one property 
I buy three exchange properties that all the numbers work. And then at the end of my 180 days, they're 80% complete. So round numbers, I sell a million dollar building intended to buy a million dollars of rentals. 800,000 of those rentals are actually in place. So what, what occurs? Do I get to get the credit for the 800 grand that's in place? Uh, yeah, you would, you would have basically a partial, a partial 1031 exchange there. So you, you effectively end up paying, if your shortfall was 200 grand in that example, you'd end up paying tax on $200,000, assuming your overall gain on the sale of your existing property was at least 200,000. You know, if you're selling for a million, but your basis was 950, then you yeah. only, you only have $50,000 of gain, obviously. But, um, but yeah, if you're selling for a million and it bought for $400,000 years ago or something, then yeah, your, your gain would be 200. So you'd have a, you know, you still have a valid exchange for most of the money. Just you pay tax on that shortfall amount. Okay. Um, state of California has the same policy or is that being divvied up that way? 80% is deferrable, 20% not. Yeah, they, they follow most of the rules on 1031 exchanges. Uh, you know, they are, as you know, they're one of those states that if you sell California and buy out of state, they want to keep track of it and, right. uh, you know, get their money at some point in the future. So you got to, you got to file a separate form with your California return every year if, if you're in that scenario. But, but other than that, the rules for California are pretty much the same. Okay. So let's say you went into an exchange in 2021 and it's now April 25th. And yesterday you figured out, okay, that's my 180th day and these are not done. I had to file an extension, but now I have to go back and say in 2021 that I didn't know I was going to have to pay those taxes. So is that considered a delinquent payment by the Fed and the state? I'm just curious. Well, possibly, but there is this, um, I guess, take a, take, a step, take a step back for a second. Like on a normal exchange, not a, I know you're, you're probably talking about a construction one, but yeah. on a normal exchange, if if you do it at the end of the year and your 180th day crosses over into the next year and you get to the next year and you realize that you're not going to have, you know, you didn't do a, a fully, a full 1031 or maybe it's partially taxable, the whole thing's taxable. There is actually a, a way in the tax code to defer that gain until 2022 because the theory law being that you didn't have any control of the money. They didn't release the funds to you until day 180 or 181. So you didn't have any control of the money. Therefore, it's not taxable to you until 2022. Um, I would think, again, I don't have a lot of clients doing construction exchanges, but I think that would be a similar theory that, you know, your, your exchange was completed on 180th day. You know, maybe you're a little short. Uh, it might be a 2022 transaction instead of 2021 transaction. So if that was the case, then you wouldn't have to worry about, obviously, penalties for last year. What if the... Uh... What if the tax rate changes for 2022? Then I get the new tax rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're a lucky, lucky individual. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate, but you know what? This, I mean, you is, can Bruce, Bruce wants both sides. This is the reality of what's going on. I yeah. Mean, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can choose, right? You can choose whether you want it to tax. Oh, that, that's true. Yeah. You, you want to tax it in 2021 or you want to tax in 2022. Yes. Right? It's up to you. So yeah, if you could, because it's, Kind of like it's treated almost like treated like an installment sale, but you can you can elect out by just reporting the whole thing in 2021 if that's more favorable. Right, and what Joey brought up is actually pretty legit in the sense of delays. You know, there's yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that has been out of control 
of people. So you're suggesting, yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't, I would, I would imagine that's happening. You know, you're not the only people dealing with it probably, you know, so it's, oh, no, of course not. Yeah. It's, um, well, that, that's helpful to, to know, because like we've had some that, you know, we were expected to probably finish this year and are maybe are going to, you know, bleed into 2023, you know, so that's something that they'll, they'll know that they can have a choice. But, well, you know, what we always tell people is make sure you talk to your CPA. <laughs> and the good I mean, and the benefit of um, delaying that gain. So in your example, right, you had, uh, you know, maybe you had 200,000 of that uncompleted that becomes taxable income. Right. If you choose to report on 2021 return, it's just taxable, right? There's no more strategies now that you're doing for last year. Right. But if you elect to have it taxable this year, you still have a lot between now and the end of the year to look at other ways to reduce that tax. Maybe you're going to buy another rental property. And then that rental property, you'll do you know cost segregation or bonus depreciation, and that will create a loss which in that loss can offset this $200,000 gain, right? Even though it's not part of the 1031 exchange, they're all in the rental bucket. Um, or we have clients who, um, you know, take that $200,000 gain because if they didn't end up utilizing it, um, invest in like an opportunity zone, right? Because the ozone allows you to defer the capital gain. So, so it just gives you that much more time between now and year end to work at offset strategies outside of that 1031 as well. Sounds like you guys should write a book or something. <laughs> I don't think we <laughs> talked about that in our book. <laughs> these are bonus. These are bonus items, bonus not in the book. Bonus oh, T- TNG uh, edit. <laughs> yes. yeah. These people trying to create more work for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to admit these are ramping up in difficulty, but that's you know I I had time on my hands, so I said okay, I got to ask them this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Overall wealth. So. You're doing your, uh, your lifetime planning. And I'm just curious about the amount of assets that can be passed on to your relatives tax-free. And, uh, and then there'll be a serious series of questions having to do with that. So what, what are the rule in place right now? Um, we, 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 in our firm, we don't do estate taxes, but I, my, my recollection of it's, it's around 11 million per person. So a couple can leave about 22 million, you know, tax-free to beneficiaries, heirs, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And there's, so in that, in the budget proposal, um, we didn't see anything that said that that would be changed um, because before there were talks of that being cut in half, right. Down to like, you know, five, $6 million per person. So right now there, uh, that doesn't seem to be part of the 2023 proposed budget. Um, so, you know, the assumption is it will stay at $12 million per person. However, keep in mind that absent any changes, that $12 million is set to go down in 2026 automatically. That's so, what I so, thought. And that, yeah. and that goes down to what? I want to say it was, it was, it was, they had a specific benchmark. It was some pre, you know, some year, but I feel like it was like three and a half million dollars or $5 million or something like that. Um, you know, obviously a big haircut from what it's currently at. Um, that is a, yeah, that's a big haircut. So let's just, do you, do you know the tax bill that would occur? Let's say I had 10 million extra dollars that were given to my heirs. What, what is that tax debt? 
I, uh, if I recall correctly, I believe the federal rate is around 40%. I, I don't know, you know, what the, every state may have their own. I don't know if what California is, to be honest with you, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if someone's finding themselves in that place, obviously, you know, advanced estate planning is absolutely crucial, especially with that haircut coming a couple of years down the road. And, um, you know, you never know, maybe some of these Biden proposals may change some of this stuff too, or it's just, yeah, I feel like the estate planning is so difficult because, um, you know, towards the end of last year, we had so many clients because it was an unknown, you know, whether maybe starting as, you know, 2022 January, the estate tax could have just, you know, been cut, the exemption could have been cut in half. So right. a lot of people were really, you know, scrambling to talk to attorneys. And at the time, a lot of attorneys were booked that they weren't taking any additional clients. And, you know, reverse now fast forward to January 2022. Now we're contacting clients again, say, OK, well, we dodged the bullet. We're still at, you know, 12 million dollars per person. But let's go ahead and, you know, get the dodge planning the bullet, going. You didn't die. <laughs> you know, get the get the planning going because it is set. It's scheduled to sunset in 2026. So just be prepared, you know, now when attorneys have more time. But, I, you know, but most people really, you know, now that's on the back burner, right? Because like, we don't have that immediate need again. I think people are always cautious of what if I do some planning and the loss changed significantly where my planning is, you know, is becomes obsolete or something. So I think that's the difficult part of planning for estates because you just, you know, <laughs> we don't really have any certainty on what it's going to look like. And 3 million versus 12 million per person is a huge change. That's a huge change. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Is it in your, um, your client base? I'm sure some of them certainly surpass that. Are there, do you know that they have plans to, uh, how do they plan for that? How do they plan that? Okay. The first 22 million is going to go here. But what's interesting, you know, I, I didn't realize, I looked up one time, what's the, like the top 1% that we always hear about, what is that number? I didn't think it was going to be the number it was. It's $11 million. So when you think about that, I'm going, holy cow. I mean, I know a lot of those people. So, and I know a lot of people that are, you know, multiple times that. So you do think about, okay, what is what are they doing tax-wise to avoid handing 40% plus another number to the state um, or is it e even avoidable? So that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I think what the, what they, what they're doing is, and you know, what they should be doing is definitely having those meetings with their estate planning team and advisors, making sure that they're not even just from a strategy perspective, just making sure their documents are up to date. Cause a lot of people have kind of maybe say outdated trust documents that, you know, maybe we're, set up pre kind of some of these changes originally, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before they, you know, yeah. these exemptions took off and stuff. So some people have not updated in a long time. That would be the first step is just to kind of meet with your, your team and, you know, get those documents updated to see what's, yeah, what's, what's going to be the most advantageous, you know, setup of your, your living trust or, you know, is it involving irrevocable trust? Is it involving, you know, other things that kind of take advantage of getting assets out of your state sooner than later, if you need to. Yeah. I think a lot of charitable planning too. Um, you know, most clients with 
uh, you know, that high of net worth are, are typically looking at charitable planning because they're just looking at it from, you know, I'm either going to pay it to taxes or um, I can give it to charity, right? And and get a, you know, get it out of my estate and, and also maybe get an, uh, a tax write-off too up front. And I think, um, you know, there's also, remember, there's the annual exclusion, right? Where somebody can give another, give $16,000 to any other single person during the year. It's free from gifts and estate taxes. You know, obviously that doesn't sound like a lot on the on the face of it, but I think what I what I've read is studies show that obviously if somebody can make a you know purposeful design and plan to do that every year to whoever they want to do it to, it can have a significant impact on reducing sure. their state over time. You know, it doesn't have to be a relative. No, yeah, you can no. be Matt McFarland, Amanda yeah. Hahn. I had that same thought just now. My ears are ringing. You're, yeah, that's why you're married. I like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, and is that taxable to the recipient? No, it's not because it give it's a gift. So you know, when you receive a gift, it's not taxable income to you. Interesting. All right, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm almost out of questions because we we didn't linger around the overall wealth thing as long. Can as I ask one? Would. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Matt uh, and Amanda. What what's the biggest mistake that uh, you know Main Street, um, you know, like the mom and pop investors? make and come to you with like what's the biggest fixes that you've ever heard or what's the most common mistake that they make there's so many (laughs) well okay because we're talking about estate i'll share one um you know for people who are under the lifetime exemption what i see happen a lot is people uh, start giving away assets to their kids later on in life without talking to their tax person um, so what you typically see is like, you know, maybe mom and dad, you know, bought a bought a single family home for 200000 and now it's worth a million dollars. And they say, OK, let's just give it to, uh, you know, uh, John, right? Give it to son John and um, just to get out of their estate, thinking that's a good thing. But one of the, the, the downsides of that is if you're giving it away during your lifetime for a highly appreciated asset like that, you are actually losing out on the step-up basis, right? So if mom and dad died with it, um, their son could have gotten step-up basis and they could have sold the asset later on and not pay any capital gains taxes on all that appreciation, um, you know, from the 200,000 to the million dollars. But if it was gifted away uh, during lifetime, now the son is only going to have the dad's carryover basis of 200,000. So in the future, when the son sells, they're going to pay all the capital gains taxes. So that's a you know, a fairly decent um, uh, sized mistake that we do see, because I think people just kind of have hazardly give away, you know, just, oh, let me just add you to title, or let me just give this to you and just go to the county and get it done. And don't really have a second thought about it until later on, um, you know, if we talk to them and say, oh, wow, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Uh, but of course, these are people at a lot lower net worth, right, than those who are um, going to be hit with, you know, potentially estate taxes down the road, right? Okay. You know, I think along those same lines, not just, you know, from a state planning perspective, just an income tax planning perspective, right? I think, um, you know, we we reach out to clients, you know, throughout the year to try and stay up to date on what's happening with them. But it's also, you know, we do ask our clients to communicate with us when things are going to change, right? To communicate with us beforehand. I, I don't want, you know, it's best to hear that you're going to sell a property or you're thinking of creating a B C entity before you actually do it, right? Um, that's probably a big mistake too, is that people, you know, you know, obviously we're all busy. People forget to do that sometimes, but 
that can, you know, you know, you have a lot more options if you plan ahead, obviously. We talked about people leaving the state of California. Do you have anybody that's left the country and said, okay, I'm, I don't want to be a U.S. citizen. And I'm just curious if that ever happens, what's the taxable event that occurs? Uh, we haven't had anybody do that. I, I think we have clients that <laughs> talk about doing that or threaten to do that, obviously. But um, I think there, there is a, there is an, there is an exit tax for lack of a better term. If you uh, renounce your citizenship, it's um, not small. No, it's not. And I, I don't remember what it is, but it's, you know, if you don't renounce your citizenship, then you're still going to be paying U.S. taxes going forward right. anyway. So that's not a big deal. But if you want to get out of paying U.S. taxes, then you got to re renounce your citizenship and then they're going to get you on a hefty exit tax. Exit tax. Yeah. That's like when I visited the Bahamas, like everything's like all fun and games when you get there. You want rum in it, you want your hair braided. And then when you leave, they're like, that'll be <laughs> that'll be thirty dollars. Thirty dollars for what? Oh, for leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the exit tax. Yeah, it's interesting because because the uh, tax foundation, um, which does all the kind of analysis on the proposals that are coming down and how does that impact, um, you know, economics at, at large. And what they said was that the the most recent 2023 budget proposals um, alongside the build back better plan would give US one of the world's uh, top tax rates for individuals as well as corporations in all of the developed world. So that's really interesting, um, you know, so <laughs> not very business friendly. That's something to be proud of. Doesn't incentivize people to, you know, do business <laughs> in the US or with the US, unfortunately. Do we have any new books you're working on? No, why does he keep suggesting? Yeah, that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like you have some ideas for a new book for us. <laughs> I just, I just got to get on that collab. I just know, got done with tax tax deadline. Come on. Oh, that's right. You need oxygen still. Yeah. Right. So we can have a co-authored co book with Bruce. That would be good. <laughs> there you go. Now, uh, obviously, to to nameless to protect the innocent or guilty. Uh, what's the biggest like tax mess up that you've had to be involved with? It's uh, a ten thirty one exchange. <laughs> yeah, we've seen some ten thirty one exchange stuff where you know it's partial. I don't know the easiest way to explain it, but it's you know one of those where it's kind of you're trying to fix something after the fact. Yeah, we've had yes, we once had to let a client go because they messed up on a 1031 exchange. Like they didn't meet the requirements. Right. And they basically said, Well, you have to make it go away because I'm not going to pay the tax. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was after the fact. Like we didn't know about the transaction. And was there's like what you're saying doesn't make sense. You know, I can't how do we just make it go away? <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah, nameless, but that was a big, um, you know, well, the, a big do that issue. after the fact is a felony. Yeah, exactly. Right. It yeah. sounds pretty casual, you know, sounds yeah. casual. Like I'm not going to pay it. So just make it go away. Yeah. You so could just like, change what the are you date saying? a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I feel like 1031 exchange, they're mostly big numbers, you know, that you're dealing with. And so if, uh, 
you know, something's not done correctly, like you didn't meet the identification deadline or something, right? It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if you didn't, or you didn't close on one of the properties that you identified, um, you could have done everything else right, but you technically didn't do like one of the main things correctly. So yeah, it's not really a 1031 at that point. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. Joey, did you have anything else? No, that's the, that's the, I, I was, I wanted to hear like, oh yeah, like a hundred million dollar tax bill that somebody <laughs> cost themselves. But um, no, we don't have any of those big mistakes because uh, Matt and Amanda are too good. They don't take clients that are criminals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you get fired if you are one. That's good. That's yeah. a good way to do business. <laughs> you know, we, I mean, we had like, so last year we had a, a, a very, um, a mistake that almost happened. We had someone who, I don't know, they went to a seminar and some CPA talked about how you can just, you know, liquidate your retirement money and use that to buy a bunch of real estate and, you know, with depreciation and all that, you can basically use the losses to wipe out, you know, million dollars of retirement distribution income. And, uh, and that, that all sounds really great. You know, it's definitely a legit strategy, but um, they just forgot to talk about the fact that, you know, in 2021, there's a limit um, in terms of using rentals to offset non-business income like retirement accounts that you're maxed out at $500,000. So for them, <laughs> they they didn't know that if they took out a million dollars, they would still have to pay taxes on $500,000. Um, but the good thing was we caught it early enough that they were with, you know, they, they were still had just recently taken that money out. So they were able to just easily put the money back into retirement. So they didn't have to wow. pay a huge tax, but it was, yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, the concept is right, but I mean, you had to have all the, the details worked out as well. You guys still all booked up? For April 15th, yes. <laughs> no, um, no, we're always taking tax planning clients um, for, yeah, for the rest of the year. That's just the tax return work because it's um, really time intensive. So we are booked up for 2021 filings. Okay. Um, so what... Um... I was, I was going to say, so how can, how can they get a hold of you? But they, um, we're not, we're not trying to do that. So I'll cut this out of the, the recording. So don't worry about it. Um, but that, that was going to be my follow-up question. Um, is, is there anybody that you guys, um, like colleagues of yours that, Hey, you know, you guys aren't taking clients, but you know what, can you go ahead and, you know, refer them to, to somebody else who's reputable? Like, cause that's, we get that question a lot. Like, Hey, do you, can you recommend a CPA? And you guys are are obviously a friend of the of the Norris group, but you guys aren't taking any clients, you know, so how can we help them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we are taking clients for tax planning. So it kind of depends on what they're looking for. If it's someone who, you know, maybe relocating or has a, a big event or 1031 exchange, they're looking for planning advice, um, we can definitely help out. And for our planning clients, we do um, try to connect them with other CPAs that is a good fit for whatever that situation is. So Perfect. it kind of depends, you know, if like, oh, you have a very complex cost segregation or a 1031 exchange, we can put them in touch with the people who are, you know, who are, um, are really well versed in those types of transactions. Um, but also we do have planning clients that are very complex that we, we will do their tax returns for. Um, but it just would be like, you know, if we're helping someone plan right now for 2022, then we can do their 2022 taxes in 2023. So, okay. So how, do, how would people get a hold of you? Um, I think our website is probably the best place, um, www.keystonecpa.com. 
So on there, you can, you know, kind of um, look at the different services we have. And we always try to put um, the latest educational content there too. So hopefully we won't have too much changes, but if there are any coming down the pipeline, that's where you'll find us. All right, you guys. Thanks. Thanks for taking time to join us. Yeah. yeah, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it, as always. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911. Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.